Welcome to Brain VR podcast. We are sitting here with Matt Jardin. We are in Colors of Ostrova Festival in Czech Republic. Uh, Matt Jardin is author, podcaster, public speaker, martial artist, entrepreneur, teacher, and the founder of Jardin Karate School. Your previous books include Mo and Lucy, Choices, and The Hardest Path, inspired by his 88 temple pilgrimage of Japan. Matt has also practiced meditation and other Eastern arts for over 25 years. Is there something that I'm missing there? Well, not so much. But of course, we've got the other book, which is How to Be a, a Buddhist Millionaire. Yes, which I guess we'll yes. Chat about which, which followed on from the the hardest path. But everything else you've got beautifully. Yeah. yeah. So about this book, actually, we're gonna talk uh, a bit more. Okay. And uh, other interesting thing that you do is your podcast, which is called The Buddhist Millionaire. So, so the po- podcast, I lo- the podcast was just an extension of the book. Okay, yeah. So uh, yeah, it yeah. really was just interviewing other people to find out if what they found mm-hmm. is what I found. Yeah. Because if it was just me, it wouldn't mean anything. But if lots of people found the same things, then mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's true. It's not just a you know a one in a thousand type ideal. So yeah, the podcast just continues the conversations with other Buddhist millionaires. Mm-hmm. I would like to ask you about uh, we like. We like uh, some concept of mental models, if you know if you know what it is. It's like some guiding principles that we can use to guide us uh, in the world. And one of them is a small mental model: signal versus noise. Because in information world, there is a lot of uh, noise going around, and we are really interested into uh, the signal, into the real messages. So, what is the signal you are trying to send to the world through your work? I really love that description of signal versus noise. I, I love that so much. I will steal that, by the way, and use it. Because you're right, there is so much noise. And in the sort of the self-growth world, you know, the self-development world, there's a lot of kind of, is that real? Did you experience that? Are you just borrowing it from another guy that you, you <laughs> listen to? And I always like, so in my, just to move off that, in my martial arts teaching, I love to get the moves down to a core principle. One core principle. I've been in Japanese martial arts for many, many years, and they assume ignorance. So they teach you 20 things as you come in the door, how to stand, how to do your belt. They assume that you've never lived. Well, I don't think, and that's noise, right? Well, I think there's just simple ideas what's the concept okay don't get hit that's simple (laughs) so I teach from in everything I do whether it's in martial arts or whether we're talking self-growth or money it's the same thing what is the core forget the rest we haven't got time for the rest let's get to the point so very much so this so in relation to this book this is the core the problem is the majority of people in my experience been seven out of ten people if I said to you Here's a million pounds, 24 million crown, a lot of money. Would you tomorrow go and do the work that you currently do? Now, I know you two would. You love it. But seven out of ten people would be like, no way, man. No way. Okay. Well, then that's a problem, right? Because in our lives, a third of our life is spent working. A third asleep and a third. So you're two-thirds out the window to do a third. It's a waste. 
So this is my core message. I want, for me, firstly, and then other people, if you want to follow that example, it's up to you. I want to get out of bed loving what I do, but that's not enough. I want to make money as well because I'm not I'm not stupid. I understand we've got to pay the bills. You know, this all needs paying for. So they have to match. Can I do what I love and make money doing it? And by me doing it, can I be an example that it can happen? Because trust me, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Is that being a Buddhist millionaire or yes. is it something else? No, that is exactly Buddhist millionaireism. So I called it Buddhist millionaire, of course, because through the noise, you got to catch a market, right? My background is in Buddhism, not formally, but it's, I look at everything, religion, science, uh, philosophy. And for me, Buddhism sits quite nicely amongst all of those things. I can be a bit weird and that works. I can be sciencey, that works. And it, so it works, right? So that's fine. So the Buddhist part was really just symbolizes meaning. Do you have a life that is meaningful to you mainly and then to others? So that's the Buddhist part. And the millionaire is just, can you also make money? Think of a spectrum, right? One to 10. At one, right down, we have the the unhappy poet. I love my work, I'm in tune with the universe, I make no money, okay? We don't want, that's no good. Then we have the other end, the rich banker, making lots of money, not necessarily meaningful. A Buddhist millionaire is in the middle. Can we do what we love and be profitable? Now, of course, lots of people are both Buddhist millionaires, but you don't have to be to be a Buddhist millionaire. Can you describe more the Buddhist part how it uh, specifically sits in this modern modern uh, western world of uh, money and careers could you des- describe a bit more okay so i have to go backwards slightly so we set some context so 2007 i was um there was nothing wrong there was nothing right it was all a bit average is there more to life I wanted to do other things but I had to pay the bills is there more to life at some point I think we all ask those questions and I asked that question and I had just finished Paolo Coelho who's the author of The Alchemist his um, his first book is called The Pilgrimage he did the Santiago the Camino and I when I finished that book I knew I wanted to do a pilgrimage but I, I didn't want to do the Camino for me with my links to Japan I thought Okay, I'll go to Japan. So their big pilgrimage is called the Hachijuhachi, the 88 temple. So my point, I went. Long story short, in 30 days, I walked 1,400 kilometers visiting 88 temples. So it's a circumference of Shikoku. And the idea of pilgrimage, especially a circular pilgrimage, is they say that you live your life the macrocosm of your life in microcosm in the pilgrimage. So for example, however long you're on this planet, 80, 90, 100 years, you live in the 30 days because you'll see ups and downs, ins and outs. You'll see who you are just compacted. Every pilgrim then leaves the pilgrimage with their own, I don't know, life lessons. I don't like that word, but we'll, we'll do it. Life lessons that they can then go, ah, oh, okay, I see that about myself or I've learned that about myself. Or, And so then when I came back with these lessons, that became my first book, The Hardest Path. When I came back, of course, I'm feeling happy and lifted and oh, this Buddhist meditation, yeah, yeah, great. But there's still bills come through the door. My children still need to be fed. So what now? So then I started to ask, naturally, can I use these same lessons and apply them to other areas of my life? Relationships, for example, you know, um, work, 
classically, and the Buddhists call this coming down from the mountain. There's no good being in a cave or on a pilgrimage and you go, oh, you look, I've touched the source of all things, and it stays there. It's only useful if you can come back and translate it into your day-to-day -day world, which is I call urban pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. So every day then, every journey becomes an extension of that pilgrimage. I think this is the crucial part actually, because, okay, we can say a lot of words here and, you know, we both do podcasts, we ourselves have a, this podcast, Czech podcast as well. And there are still so many words, but when it comes down to it, It's about doing the things that we talk about, actually, uh, living the things, do, like what you do 80% of the time, day by day, day by the basis. So I'm really interested in, first of all, two things, like what were the biggest lessons that you got from there? What were the principles, the thoughts that transformed your life? And then how to actually transfer them into your daily, daily life? So maybe first, What are the crucial, the most important principles and lessons from okay. the pilgrimage? It's, it's really important. And th this is, you know, it's really simple. And I will go back to the pilgrimage because it's just a metaphor for life. I could, you could use, I'd use the pilgr pilgrimage example, but you could use the example for your podcast, for me writing a book. It's the one of the same thing. And it starts with this. At some point, you have to choose what is the thing you're going to do. Mm. Like, for example, I decided... I am going to do the pilgrimage. Now that sounds like so simple, it's ridiculous. But if you ask people in life, what do you want? It is the single most crushing question for people because a lot of people look at you and go, I don't know. And therein is your problem. You don't walk onto a tennis court not knowing the rules. You know, you don't walk into a cage fight not knowing the rules, and it's the same with life, but they don't know. And this coming often because we're, we're taught that our dreams or our passions are hobbies. That's a very discrediting thing. No, that's a hobby. Whoa, 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 hang on, that's, not, that's my life. So we're, we're almost discouraged from dreaming, right? Mm -hmm. And in that, that means a lot of people do not know what they want so how on earth can you expect to get it we don't even know where we where we start so how on earth can we know where we're going well <laughs> this brings up another question <laughs> what to want like what do i want to want like that's that's such a difficult question that actually goes a little bit to the existential question mm. like what's meaningful here yes. what to do yes and I think you've said it and we also come down to you know it's sim it's easy to go to this you know I'm gonna change the world I'm gonna save the world and help the world in some way in some big way you know we are you know idealists and stuff like that we want to do big things but I think that's putting a pressure on us and today's well, so it world it doesn't mean anything yeah it doesn't mean anything it's just something abstract yep, in, yep, in yep. the heaven basically but We live in in a world where there, there are a lot of pressures on us, and sometimes this might, might lead to frustration because okay, what it, what is it actually like? There's so many steps mm. to get there. Mm. So we came down to simple some simple thought and principles, and I think you already mentioned it. Find what's meaningful to you yes. when it's probably not hurting the environment you are in, right? Exactly. It, it should be like also helpful a little bit maybe to some people around you. So. 
is that something that we can do when we start? Because I don't think there is, you know, it's really hard to choose what to want, what to do and stuff like that. So maybe it is something that we have to go and stay with and look for insight. Is that something that pilgrimage brings? A perfect question. And it is down to that. A big part of the book is talking about finding out what you want. Because as I say, we remember, this is nothing too big or existential. We've just lost the ability to think what we want. So it's like a muscle. You go to the gym, you do your bicep curls, and that builds muscle. Concentrating on what you want is the same thing. It's a mental skill. It's a practical, mental, doable skill. You don't have to be in yoga pants. You don't have to have incense. It's a a, uh, a workable skill, right? So you must practice that. And then of course, that might take a while. When you start asking what do you want, there'll be barrier. If you've never practiced that, that could take a while. Fine. It could take six months. It could take a year. There is no rush. But I have discovered, it's not my discovery, I've just realized, there is an inbuilt navigation system in us, which is our emotions. When you think of something that you like to do, Now, we could explain this in science or we could explain it in religion or philosophy. It doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. There's a system. When you think of something you love to do, people light up. Their eyes light up. They sit straighter. They maybe speak louder. A scientist will tell me what's going on with my cortisol. A religious leader that will say that I'm connected to God. I don't care. (laughs) But you'll know that feels good. For me personally, I feel it most obviously in in my stomach. Viscerally, when something excites me, I feel it in my stomach. And that's how I make most of my decisions now. That's how I made my decision to come here. When I met you, I liked you both. Do you want to be on the podcast? I felt it. Yes. If I don't feel it, no. And then the other, the the contrast, is if you sit and think about stuff you don't want to do, like for me, I I mentioned this in my talk, Excel spreadsheets, you know, uh, numbers. I'm I'm, I'm rubbish at numbers. So if you put me in a world where I have to do numbers, I'm rubbish. But my friend, Nikki loves numbers mm. so so it's not a right or wrong thing and i just wanted to so that's uh, so we can trust our emotions and that's not a weird thing that's a science-based thing but i do want to touch on another thing which is often overlooked right i don't think whatever the thing that allows us to be who we want to be and i don't know what that is right i don't think it cares <laughs> it just wants you to create So, and a lot of people don't want to hear this, but you can choose bad stuff and be successful at it, and that's okay. Now, it's not okay for me, but that's okay. And history is littered with people doing bad stuff successfully. So then my question is, oh, okay, well, here we go. So then is is the, we'll call it the universe. I don't like the term, but let's do that for now, right? Until I have a better idea. Is it, is the nature of it good, bad, or indifferent now you'd argue the fact that we're sitting here even having this conversation means it has to be by definition good or at least moving forwards because if it was indifferent or bad there'd be no movement we couldn't be here so the universe is an evolutionary movement it doesn't care how you move Mm. so then morals are not necessarily a set thing what's right for you is not right for you or for me 
which brings us a moral problem, right? Yeah. Okay, ah, this is important. And as you came up with this question, it doesn't necessarily mean that I feel I feel great. I'm going to pursue this thing and I'm, I'm going to be great at it. It doesn't mean that it's not, I don't know, for some psychopaths, it might be killing. It doesn't mean it's not bad. Yeah. So for me, I, there are two concepts that connected for me because I think that, yes, morals are relative. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are set. They are set by uh, society and yes. stuff like that. Thousands of years ago, slaves were okay. Today, they are not. But that's a probably good thing, right? Yes, as our society would say. I think it is, and I think we have some things that might help us to do good decisions, mm-hmm. even in the relative sense, kind mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. And it's another concept, which is you said there is kind of an emotional compass, but then we can use com- compass of a reason which for us is another mental model, it's value compass. Okay, yeah. So you basically, you know, you learn from, I don't know, philosophy, from history and tradition of reason, what's probably better idea than some other idea and better value and what feels most close to you and it is on the good side, relatively at least. For example, I don't know, openness versus closeness. Mm. So I choose openness and that's, really high on my value compass mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna go there does this thing that I do that I think you know that I believe does it open me up to the world if yeah so that might be something or I don't know n- not being dogmatic another thing which we really love yeah. so I think you can you know kind of put together this emotional compass and this compass of reason yes, this yes, value yes, compass absolutely but the, the compass of reason though and, and then value systems I think in the end, don't they only come because they lead to a result? So I, I only will pick a value if it leads to me meeting initially Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? If it meets that goal, which is me staying on the planet long enough to survive, job done. Then I can start to trust the navigation, the, the body navigation as well. So then the question is then, okay, is there a bigger force or not? I and that's the point. I have no idea. There are bigger better brains than mine still don't know so it's then us kind of going well how can I and this is very Buddhist how can I sit in the middle of not knowing or choosing my right or wrong and not having my parents go that's right that's wrong I now am responsible that's a big weight on your shoulders but it's a weight that we must all take if we're to be functional I think developed human beings you went into this meta level as you said as the universe of you kind of I totally agree with you in that view but we can I think uh, talk about it a little bit later for further in the podcast mm-hmm. on some nuances yep. in that uh, view sure. yeah. I would like to continue this conversation and go back to the meaning to how to develop this sense of meaning that you are doing what you love that it's like really obvious that you love making coffee that you are a really good barista like like Tom here you know like you sense it you sense it from him but how can you how can you get there and that's that's what I would like to ask you is the concept like of everywhere nowhere can you talk more about this Uh, okay that's a that's a good question um Everywhere Nowhere is my description for that sort of insipid grey. There's not a big problem. You haven't been run over by a bus. You're not being shipped to hospital, fix his leg, but there's something not right. My shiatsu teacher calls it being half healthy. You're not ill, so there's no treatment, but you're not right. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, there's lots of research now 
to say that the kind of the degenerative diseases are from this half healthy, this kind of low cortisol draining, you know, that we're sort of getting ill from just not being right. And now with mental health, one in four people suffering mental health, sort of a, an unchallenged, unhappy, it's not serious. It's but a languishing. Yeah, languishing. yeah lang- that's a beautiful word. Absolutely right. And that languishing. So even beyond living your dream, blah, 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 but just the sort of that kind of insipid languishing that doesn't do anything. Yes, it's like a slow death, right? You're sort of, you know, if you are in soccer terms, you put all of your men on the on the goal line. You're not playing to win. You're not playing at all. You're just hoping no one gets the ball in. So then you go, okay, on one level, I just don't want to live like that because it's boring. Fine. On another level, nothing moves, nothing grows. Everything slows and languishes. That's a beautiful, beautiful word. And... And, that, and that's very much a problem. So we then must then challenge ourselves. We know, no, 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 no. We mustn't do anything. <laughs> you do what you like. I must, for my own happiness, challenge constantly. Am I happy doing what I'm doing? Can I tell you a quick story? When I went from tennis, so you'll see a lot of career changes for me. Get to the height, leave it, move on. So when I went from tennis, I went to study Uh, So in martial arts, the idea is you should be able to heal what you break. And I've always been fascinated by uh, oriental medicine. The idea of, you know, the yin-yang symbol. I love that idea philosophically, from a religious point of view, from a healing point of view. Because in Chinese medicine, um, we're not talking herbs, I'm talking acupuncture particularly. In Chinese medicine, the health is relative. You said that earlier, like morals are relative. It isn't, Cartesian theory is, this is broken, cut it out. Or, or give it pills. In Oriental medicine, it's more nuanced. It's only black in relation to white, hence the symbol, right? You've got a black and white paisley with white and black dots in each other. So it's relative, okay? Now, I very much like that idea because then you start to see, well, life itself is nuanced. There's no, there's no set. So I started studying shiatsu to understand that, right? And then to work on it. And my teacher would always say half healthy is the thing that will kill you half healthy so i moved into that anyway my point i treated one guy jim he was the husband of my japanese teacher i was studying japanese and he he was a very successful businessman they used to bring him into failing companies to troubleshoot you know and we're talking not little companies like my big companies and he'd come in and fix it and he'd say to me I, i'd go to his house how's your new shiatsu business matt it's good jim great i'm loving it fine and he wouldn't that he doesn't want the he doesn't want that stuff he said no no how many clients have you got no jim it's good i i someone called me earlier uh, i've got a quick matt put a pad on the paper a pen write down how many clients have you got five so i've gone from being you know tennis coach to the royal family making the money to five shiatsu clients at 40 pounds an hour and i'm walking around london mm-hmm. so like no money mm-hmm. <laughs> and i was ashamed i didn't want to admit it and he said there's no shame but before we know where you're going you ha- you have to firstly be honest with where you are if you're making 100 pounds a week you're making 100 pounds a week but how am i going to help you if we just talk in this, it's going okay, I love it. Let's get some numbers on there. It's good that you love it, but let's get some numbers. So it's important that we acknowledge where are you? Podcast, how many viewers? Two, okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, okay, fine. 
I wish I was Logan Paul. I'm not. We've got two viewers. One's my mother, one's my father. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> but it's got to start there because, if again, if we move away from the esoteric into the more problem-solving, I think the brain is a problem-solving machine or, you know, machine, whatever. It's a problem-solver. But give it a problem. The problem is two viewers. Fine. Well, how do we get to 10 by... I know next week or whatever now we start to call what I, I say drawing your line in the sand or in the book I call it start from where you are but do you know where you are and that takes honesty start from where you are and then you can start to go ah I don't want to be here I don't want two viewers or, or four clients I want 40 clients now I'm not saying that will come tomorrow but you've got to be honest with where you are so that the contrast is I don't want to be here, I want to be there. Now we've got that yin-yang balance, right? Mm -hmm. Now we start to see, ah, that's where I start. In the cage, when you're cage fighting, I know where the start is. When I go through the doors, when they lock it and the ref says, go, now I know we're ready to go. Mm -hmm. It's the same with work, life, relationships, everything. It really reminded me of uh, toxic positivity. That Talk. We are talking about signal versus noise. Yes. And I think like that telling myself that I'm okay and I'm always positive and optimistic about things that are not going well. It's like bringing more noise to the house. I cannot agree. I cannot agree more. Toxic. I, I don't call it toxic. Uh, what do you call it? Toxic positivity. Toxic, toxic positivity. I call it spiritual porn. <laughs> that kind of, that weird creepy like like you know when i go to i've read all these weird books right trust me i've read everything from the great and there's been some good stuff but some weird and you and they're always in the corner of a bookshop aren't they spiritual self-help books and i'm almost ashamed to be picking one off the and when my agent said where do you want this i was like please don't put it in the spiritual porn section because it has a kind of a weird just like you say be happy no 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 uh, another example we teach we have a big children's section to our school right my, my wife is a, a teacher and I, I've, I've had a big children's program I love martial arts for self-development not for the fighting for self-development anyway my point and children will all come out oh, sensei Matt that's what they call a crime <laughs> Joe <laughs> Joe's call, Joe has said Joe's called me uh, an idiot now rather than turn to Joe and say Joe don't say that you're supposed to I say to this boy are you an idiot <laughs> So the first reaction is, that wasn't, the first reaction is a face that goes, that's not what I was looking for. But I'm like, no, seriously, because we need some practice, right? If you've broken your finger, I can get on with it. But I need to know, are you an idiot? If you're not, then it doesn't matter what Joe's saying. And if you are, and you're comfy with, if comfy with being an idiot, fine. And if you're not comfy with it, let's look at some tactics to not be an idiot. But my point is, be honest with where you are arm yourself with the material there's no point in going oh joe don't be me oh you're not an idiot you're lovely it doesn't help anybody that doesn't help anybody and now we start to give them responsibility what do you want to be do you want to be the idiot do you want to take no notice of a guy who doesn't know you and that is why i think jim so the jim who told me it's the same thing where are you be honest be really honest which is hard i'm not going to say you know you don't want to admit you've got four clients what are you talking about be honest And now we've got some work we can do. Uh, this is beautiful because it feels like a lot of the times we can say, okay, what are the steps that we can do? You know, what are the things? What are the principles? What are the advices mm. that we can, that what we can do in our life? But those advices sometimes left out our circumstances, mm. which kind of push us in 
you know, in a field where it's really maybe or even sometimes impossible to take that advice because first you have to create a space where you have a tendency to be to have an ability to respond actually response ability which frederick imbo it's a such a nice context we've, we've, we've gone uh, we've talked with, with him here and he introduced us to this uh, you know response ability, ability. That, abso- yeah. that is it problem solving yes. response yes. that's yeah. absolutely perfect so for me it's not about okay what are the advices for me it's okay how to create the space for us to be able to take that advice uh-huh. and put it into work because and i think we are going really slowly step by step here it's i i, I really like it how, how you know it makes sense it, it for me it's so so meaningful what we are talking about right here so how, how, how to create this space in our uh, life the reason i i've run out of words is because i cannot agree with this more <laughs> so let me go back to my career before tennis uh, you heard of my talk I wanted to be a pro tennis player I wasn't a great player I was quite good but but I was a much better coach and found out that coaching you you were the best player we've never heard of <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks for the reminder thanks that was your joke sorry I kind of stole it <laughs> but, but as I found out because I needed to pay for because I didn't have big sponsors so I would pay by coaching but anyway my point is I kind of found out I love teaching mm. fine my point in my final teaching exams and they're big right big teaching exams the question was what comes first this is the final question technique or tactic so they go around the room yeah blah 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 blah. everyone's going yeah you've got to get the technique well you know tennis is a very technical sport right like golf tennis and i said tactic the room fell silent like matt's dropped the ball you know what has he done he's just double faulted he's done well in these and the instructor said you're the only one to get it right of course tactic is the end game technique fits the tactic mm. now in that time i don't know if you remember i mean you guys are young right but pete sampras was the big server right big american server and the lawn tennis association so the Engl- england tennis association were languishing in their tennis stars right <laughs> i think well red perry was our last one anyway they end up spending loads loads and loads of money investing money uh, basically breaking down Pete Sampras's serve Pete Sampras's technique mm. and trying to put it on every other person of course it doesn't work Sampras is not working on his technique he's working on making sure the ball goes down the line so the other guy can't get it now the point from then on I had in my head what I call the holy grail of teaching which is teaching without teaching <laughs> in the mm-hmm. martial arts now we fast forward however many years in the martial arts their biggest crime is as i said earlier is teaching all the steps assuming ignorance and actually what you want to do is assume that we have some competency so to ask your question so uh, how do we kind of get these skills out of us well the teacher actually isn't there to give in my view any skills at all it's to create the environment whereby the student cannot not learn let me just play that back in yes. my head to do that but cannot not learn now this these are the circumstances in and, our life as and well Sherry and i yeah. my wife and i talk about this all the time as educators because uh, the move in early years education is towards what we call game-based play or experiential learning at the moment we're in a, we're in an arabic country we live in an arabic country and they're still very much when they teach arabic it's still very much like dickensian english 
you follow, you follow, you, doesn't work, doesn't work at all, because we're like 60 years on. But you put them in that environment where they learn for themselves. So let me use a, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu example, because it, it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a grappling art, which is supposed, to, you know, it looks quite complicated. And when you look at it, when you go to a lesson, you're like, I literally have no idea what's going on. I don't even know how that arm goes there and that leg goes there. And you're taught lots of steps, which you will absolutely forget by the time you've reached the changing rooms. And therefore, progress is quite slow. When I started teaching jiu-jitsu, and I'm not claiming to be a superstar, this is just an example for this, right? I started to think of this effortless teaching. Right, well, how can we make sure the lowest common denominator, as in the least able, how can we make sure that even they get the lesson? And I call it playing the game first. So as in football and rugby, you don't learn to play first. This is how we learn sports, right? We go outside, we kick a ball around until our mum says, can you come in please and have some tea? And, and then we come in. We may go to football camp and learn to pass because we weren't very good, but that's how we learn. But in a lot of things and in life and in education, they teach you. So you're not playing the game. Now that's rubbish for two reasons. One, we only want to play. Two, it's very slow to teach steps before they're relative to what we're doing. So here's my point. So in jiu-jitsu, I make sure that my guys can fight within the first three lessons. They might be rubbish, and they are rubbish, but they know the game. So now when we have a technique, it fits the need that they have found. Because they say, oh Matt, I can't do this. Ah. I'll show you this. And because it's related to what is their problem, they remember it every time. Whereas if I'd started on this technical lesson that fits into nothing, it doesn't mean anything. Why would my brain make the space for something that doesn't mean anything? So then our role as educators, whether that be um, podcasters or authors or, or actual educators, is to create an environment where despite the person, they get better. So you play the game. Yeah, I mean, what you just said is so profound, and I'm gonna just go back to what, our, what we came from, which is brain, neuroscience, and stuff like that. And this is so important because your brain fits into an environment, and neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity right? as yeah, well. Yeah. yeah, and you need to have associations if it's relatable, which is basically you don't play anything which you can't play. Yeah. You know, so yep. you have to relate to something. Yep. Oh, my friend plays. Ah, okay, I'm gonna play. Ah, I have, a, I don't know, food and there's ball. Yep. I've, I can play, I can kick the ball. And then you go on and go on and go on. So this is actually so profound. It goes really deep um, and I love it. I love it. I have so many things to I, add. Can I just tell you where that came from? So a good yep. friend of mine who I did karate with, one of his um, students was doing a, a doctorate. It may or may not be a high level, what that may be. He was... Um, He's one of the UK's leading neurologists, right? And he did this study. At that point, they were studying work in Parkinson's, okay? And the, the, end, the kind of hypothesis was, is the, bre- is the myelin sheath in high-level martial artists different from other people, is, was the point. So the high-level black belts, me and a few others, went in over a few weeks into Charing Cross Hospital, they, and we punched and kicked them. Anyway long and short yes mm. it's it's uh, more evolved in it's martial it's arts. just thick, thicker it's maybe thicker. Exactly. because so the connectivity yeah, yeah. is better yeah yeah myelin sheet is basically just uh, isolation it's kind for of the ele- electricity the wire, yeah, yeah. Sort of stuff. yeah for the electricity to go faster and yeah. longer distance so Exa- yeah. yeah so that's yeah. what he said so then i started with him creating what we called martial smarts so a brain <laughs> development program for young <laughs> children 
that was based around using so back up sorry i missed a bit i then started to notice that uh, where sherry taught at a school they had the children with special needs they'd have an occupational therapist come in and i taught the karate club there uh, afternoons and she would often be in before me and occasionally she'd leave her manual or i'd just be there early and see the work she was doing right and i saw this you know bilateral cross crossing the center line crawling all the different exercises they do to stimulate the brain and i i was like a lot of those are karate or, or martial arts it's the same up down left right you know stimulating the brain crawling that sort of stuff and the children never wanted to be in this special class because they felt you know something's wrong with them so i started to go well, what about if you come to my martial arts class you won't know that we're working on you you will have no idea for you you're just we're working towards your red belt we're doing the same stuff you don't feel like there's something wrong with you, which there isn't but you know we all have that right um and you're getting the same benefits so that program became the martial smarts development program which we did with three to six seven year olds mm -hmm. now not all moves were i then went on to study it and not all mo moves work um of course it could uh, cognitive function isn't it it's the sort of it's all that area right so some works didn't work the the, the act uh, the overly competitive exercises would be detrimental so that didn't work we did a load of study and that program has been running and is hugely successful so sherry then noticed that the changes in their class behavior and fine motor skills as well as grown motor skills were brilliant and i will i haven't got round to it but i still want to document that formally it, it was just too much within my sorry it was too much within my my realm for me to do professionally but anecdotally we saw massive difference and then i had people calling me saying my child's got adhd can you help yep and i used to teach them meditation we'd have kids who couldn't sit still for seconds i've got them on video sitting still for two minutes like this <laughs> i mean there's no magic we, we work towards it but it works yeah. yeah it's just for for kids meditation is actually some state that they would go in normally without many 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 distractions and if maybe parents and their environment maybe led them uh, anaka uh, anaka harris which is uh, wife of sam harris famous philosopher yep, neuroscientist yep, yep, yep. is waking up podcast yep. uh, they talk about it together it's a brilliant brilliant uh, idea and brilliant idea of yours martial smarts Marshall it's smarts. so cool i love it so Brain much development for children. oh i had no and, idea and often, but just as you say it's mostly boundary setting mostly ah. boundary setting which is which is where the traditional martial arts can be useful so the child sit still for 30 seconds this is no question i am the teacher you mm. so you set strong boundaries and just as you say put them in the environment where there's no other option mm -hmm. boom and we have had success over that over the years time and time and time and time again so now we develop it play the game set the boundaries and the growth is amazing now i just love to watch people grow because you just see that's amazing and they go oh it's you you're a brilliant it's nothing to do with me it's nothing to do with me i did pick the environment for you to play in right fine but that's your brain that you that's the magic whatever we say wherever we say that brain will come from i don't even care it's that's your magic i've just put you in the container to to play right and it just oh, i find it so exciting that's that's really beautiful i i love the gamification part in that because yes like as we said the environment is uh, the strongest maybe like the only stimuli 
uh, from which your brain can learn and your brain ha- has to know that something is important to you something that you can meaning r- relate your own personal to meaning, yes. isn't it? you get meaning in your through your senses yes. you've got sense yes. of the world that's really beautiful and to put some like theoretical informations inside your embodied cognition that you can really use in the future that your brain uh, learned that there is some way of how to solving some problem is much harder than like re- learn it by experience yep. so i really love uh, martial martial smarts, smarts. Yes. beautiful yeah, yeah thank you yeah um so now the question is okay how to become your own teacher Because the question was how to build up those this field where this is going to happen. So are there some things like I don't know writing, meditating on it, go into that meta meta view where I set the tactic for me, where I set some things that I want to do maybe that will take time, but it will go slowly but surely, and I will make progress. Can we do something like That's that? A great question. I think we have to acknowledge first that response ability is a real thing. That has to happen. We have to, we've been, I don't like those big general terms, we've been, but let's use it for now. We've been kind of pushed toward that, this is what we need you to do. So we need to go, actually, my life, my brain, my neuroplasticity is my response ability. And once I understand that's a real thing, I already think that's the that cool where you are. It's your life. Do Oh, that's 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 a lot on my shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it is. Mm. <laughs> uh, oh, but, but the, the, I'm just giving you the information. Yes, it's your life. Do what you like. So now once we kind of value that responsibility and response ability, we then start to go, okay, well I know where the I know where the line is. Then I think we're much more motivated now because Uh, because we know it's a real thing. Mum's not going to give it to me. Dad's not going to give it to me. It's, it's my life. So now we know it's a real thing. I think we're much more motivated to start looking for the game ourselves. Now, there will be gaps in information. And uh, just to just to kind of circle right back to the pilgrimage, right? To use that uh, simple metaphor stuff for my simple brain. But I I wrote a chapter in there called "When the Student Is Ready, the Teacher Appears." Because there will be gaps in your information. We'll find out with my jujitsu guys that you're you're like it's not just it's not just free play. I'm not suggesting we go outside and play. Like you know, it's free play with a purpose. You go outside to find out that your passing skills are rubbish. Now come back and I'll help you. So it's not just bland so my point there is okay they'll go away and there will be gaps in knowledge and that's where educators can go okay well I can you know use the inside of your foot or then that's fine but what I found is when someone asks a question that fits their gap the retention of information is almost immediate like I'm learning Arabic at the moment and when there are questions that when there are words that I need to remember for my life I remember them when When we're talking about, you know, Fred's lost his umbrella in this stage, I'm like, what does that even mean? But when I need to know shukran and, you know, halas, because it's I need it for my lesson, I remember it. So there will be gaps in your knowledge, and then then educators can come in or, oh, listen to this podcast, they tell you how to do that, fine. And that's uh, that's a much better use of time as, as well, right? We're not in the noise. We're in the get get to the point, get to the point. Wow. Uh, okay, so I have 
this is this is perfect because now we've kind of defined the first step. Christoph said a few minutes earlier <laughs> that you have to find the brain has to find what's important. The whole organism has to find what's important. Mm. Set the boundaries, as you've said. Mm. Well, this we just kind of find out what's important right now, and it's our life. It's our subjectivity. It's our subjective experience. Mm. And as you've said, yeah, that's a lot of responsibility. Yes, it is. It's a big deal. But that's really the most important thing here. Yes. And people sometimes, you know, tend to give themselves. They would, you know, shatter, their, shatter themselves for the world, and you know you are still the most important thing. So first, you, hope you have to be selfish, to be selfless. I, I, I completely yeah. agree with that. Yes. Absolutely agree yes. with that. So this is like a few things. And then when we go down, when someone needs it with more of a factual th- like thinking, we come down to realization that our subjectivity, our subjective experience is the only thing that we will ever have in our life, yeah. that we can ever experience. Yeah. Because if if it wasn't subjective, if it was you and me together or something, yeah. it would be something else than subjective. Absolutely. So I have, I have my whole life, I have this point of view. And however I'm gonna feel in my life, I'm gonna feel it. I am gonna feel it myself. So I think we better take care of it. And I think that's the value, like that's you, setting you the values. from a science point of view, right? Brain science. But let me just back up because this is important. Sorry to interrupt you before no, I forgot no. it because this is really important. The one of the, and it freaked me out when I first started meditating when I was 17, right? The first lesson is called the corpse and they get you to reflect on your death. Yes. So the, the kind of decaying with, with the point of appreciating this gift going this is your responsibility man you're gonna decay you're gonna die go for it so we're kind of saying that which is why i like buddhism it works in a metaphor i can understand i i'm a novelist so i like that stuff but it's the same science really it's the same kind of thing and then you look back at the kind of the the, a lot of um, in hinduism a lot of thinking a lot of buddhism there are some really profound physics i would say in some of those things just maybe may said a little bit differently and that's why buddhism sits quite nicely for me and stoicism memento mori stoicism as well yes i just wanted to comment make the death count by living make make your death death count count by living your life fully absolutely because we don't then have to get into the sort of is there life after death to to make this one if there is happy days i'll see you up there get the coffees in right fine whether or not I don't know I don't know but that doesn't mean we can't take responsibility but as Jim said as I said call your start line which is be responsible are you are you being annoying yes well fine do you want to carry on being annoying or not it's up to you there's your responsibility which leads to your response ability I love that I'm Ah. taking that all day (laughs) I love all the practical and practical philosophical tools that we are exploring right now and uh I would like to switch a little bit okay. to a different topic mm-hmm. because the book is called uh, Buddhist Millionaire and I would like to talk about money now. <laughs> so tell us please. Here we go. Here about, we go. Let's let's get in there. About money myth. What is it? So the money myth is another uh, handing over of thinking to someone else. Initially our parents through our society which is the money myth 
go to school, go to college, go to university. Why? To get a good job. We'll follow that track. Just one more. Why? To make money. Oh, okay. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Nowhere. And if you if you ever said, oh, I'm not going in today because I want to stay home and I don't know, play the guitar. No, no. That's for the weekend. Well, we school cot. Now, if we follow that track logically, if we if we call the unsaid, you know, you know the phrase "elephant in the room." If we actually say what's being said, and I'm going to use it in my language um, because I like the metaphor, we are basically saying that money is God. Money is the thing, right? Fine, because because that's what we're all driven towards, right? We wouldn't even most people wouldn't even question that money is the thing because without it you'd die. Well, let's question that because. What happened before money? And I, in the book, I speak to uh, an economist, and we spoke about that. You know, let's imagine the you know cowboy eras where there was no finance. What, what did we do? Well, we walked down to the river and got water. We killed a rabbit. We, I know, spoke to someone who might kill a rat. Whatever it may be, I'm not suggesting it's easy, and I'm not suggesting that our modern life is not more convenient. But it ain't money. And and Native American, there's that beautiful saying that only after the last fish has gone, the last river has been poisoned, etc., etc., will you find that money cannot be eaten. And I was like, that's true. That's really true. So then you have to say, okay, right. So we agree that money then is just a, a convenient symbol. Fine. Well, a symbol for what? Well, for invisible currencies. Well, what are invisible currencies? Hunting, fishing, communicating. All the things that are on uh, Maslow's... Energy. Energy. All the things on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Just because there's no money doesn't mean they're not the, sa- they're the, they're the same thing. And he covers all the way up to spiritual and satisfaction, etc., etc., as well as the housing, right? That's all the same thing. But we start to go, oh, I would have those things even if I had no money. So then you then, oh, okay, so money is a symbol. Fine. So that's not got no... All right, so then what is the source of the invisible currencies? Well, I don't know. Who can know? You guys will call it something different to what... A pre- and does it even matter? Which, circling back to the pilgrimage then, is where you start to see that tested. Remember, the whole point of pilgrimage is to see your life lived in microcosm so you can see it up front, so it's not around the noise. You're quiet enough to see what's going on. And then you start to see the... When you're busy... You don't see the connections because you're not really thinking about them. But when you only are seeing your life in microcosm, you see the connections. You see the, I'm really hungry, thought, intention, really would like to eat, car stops. Would you like some food? Yeah. When you're quiet, you go, whoa, what was that? (laughs) Or I really need a wee. I haven't seen a toilet forever, toilet shows, or whatever it may be. Now, we could speak... You uh, 20 different guests will tell you what's doing that. God's giving you the gifts. Oh, um, cognitive uh, bias is whatever it may be, whatever it may be. I don't know. All I needed to know, I was hungry, something appeared. And that quiet time is you see the connections because the noise for that 30 days has gone. So you go, whoa, those things are connected. Now, I don't know why. I just know that they exist and they can be applied to other things. So we are kind of peg here uh, to signal because you're trying to get rid of the noise and really like why I need money, what for, what is my aim in life. That's that's nice. Yeah, we're, we're, we're back in that signal 
place that money is only representative. But what if, what if money wasn't on the? There is a very real risk that all money will fall off the planet at some point with cryptos, right? So we will be actually having this situation. We'll be we'll be back to the cowboy planes where it was just you know we have to find another way. And now we're back into brain science where, as problem solvers, we'll work it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a longer walk to the river, and I'd rather not. Okay, well, how we make that more interesting? Well, I'll take a friend with me to talk on the way. We will find other problems to the solution, mm-hmm. and the circle starts again. Then at some point, we'll be like, I can't be bothered. Let's make shells. Can you bring some shells so I can give it, you know, we'll, it'll start again. And then we get this, like, this, like this breath. I think society will always come and go in the same way, a little bit like the lungs breathing, breathe in, breathe out. And I think it's, I think we'll see this again in 100, 150, 200 years time. There'll be three other guys speaking on another, I don't know what it'll be called then, a Zedcast, mm. but doing the same mm. conversation. It's an in-breath, out-breath. And I think the body kind of represents that, as does our brain, as does all the religions and the philosophies, however we all explain it. Yes, and we can actually see it in countries that uh, where the inflation went out of the hand because people are intuitively uh, going back to the trading market. They are trading things and animals and uh, their products, and they are becoming independent on the on the uh, automated market yes. that that was settled before. It's really interesting. But doesn't it bring us back to responsibility? We have the responsibility to question the things we no longer question. Who questions money? Who sits there and going, hang on, hang on a minute, money's not real. Mm-hmm. Money's an idea that we decide, that we agree on, uh, which again, because of the responsibility, and I hate to keep using the term, but I love it so much, <laughs> because of we take uh, responsibility for that thought, which we hadn't questioned, that had been passed on from generation to generation, well, since probably Second World War, when it was so finely held onto since our grandparents and parents, Then we go, ah, oh, I'm going to increase my responsibility through my invisible currencies. It, the game changes, mm-hmm. but it's no less a game. Yeah. We think that one of our biggest fears and also where we, uh, where we look for our value is in society. So we have uh, a lot of like social status biases and everything. A lot and of research w- done yes, on that. Yes, a lot of re- research is done on that. Can you talk a little bit about uh, social status myth and how to, how to approach it from within? Let's be honest, right? Social status matters to us all. No one, no one likes being the last pick. That does something to our souls, right? It does something to our... When I was young, I always had a... a I, yeah, I had a bit of a hang-up about, do you like me, do you not like... You know, it's a bit weird thinking about it now. Now I could care less. But I, it, was, it was a real thing. So to ignore that... You know, like the kid, are you annoying? Yes. So, fine. Yeah. You've got to be honest, right? Social status does matter. It's not enough to go, just believe in yourself. You are a one man amongst me. Rubbish. And if we go on to Maslow's thing, we need that to work. But, we're back to responsibility. If you hand too much of it over to that person, now it moves away from status into kind of, which just fits our need. I've hurt my leg. Can you go and get my rabbit for me? or I've hurt my knee, can you go and get my water? When it fits that need, now it becomes, oh, do you like me? Can you get my rat? It's a, it's a different, it hasn't fit its need. So we're back to, okay, how can I develop that? And I think, so for me, what has made a big difference is the meditation, is the quieting the noise. Because when I quiet the noise, I get a chance to get back to myself and realize that I, no, not, no, that isn't correct. That is not correct. I was going to say that I'm powerful. No, 
that I am tapped into the power as much as everyone else. So I can kind of use that as well. So I go, all right, well, I might ne- I've hurt my knee. I might need you to go and kill my rabbit because I've ran out of money, mm. right? <laughs> but equally, I'm still pretty powerful. I can do something else. So we, it, it's important to understand that, yes, we need people. Buddhism talks about the whole interconnectedness. We need people, but we also have to then touch in on ourselves and realize that we are those people too. We are part of that interconnected link, an integral part. <laughs> yeah, just uh, remember that you're part of the nature, like yeah. remember to the nature. Yeah, you're no less, you're no more, you're no more, but you are, I like that, I like, yeah, you're no less, but you're no more, you are, and you are part of the web. And again, we're back into the Buddhist terminology, the interconnected web, you know, um, uh, Shiva's pearl, I think it's called, <laughs> maybe. Don't quote me on that, it may or may not be correct. But that whole idea that one connects the other. And then we come full circle then, that if you're in that web, you have a responsibility to yourself <laughs> and to the other people. We're back again in the same place. And isn't that how brain chemistry works? It's all linked and fired. This supports this, this supports, boom, 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 boom. You just described the idea behind name of our show oh. it's called brain we are and it's about that we realized first it was brain you are but then we realized oh we are not alone in this world we are actually brains connected That's in a network That and is... it's it there is no like any esoteric idea behind it it's just that i am now imprinted in your brain and not people often think that it's just psychological but actually it's physical actually synaptic is it it's yeah. yeah whatever you experience there's physical change in your brain and whatever listeners hear right now it's going to be with them forever they don't have to remember it no. but there is it's something embedded. physical that happened there in the brain yeah. and for me this is such a beautiful uh, idea because right now you can imagine that you know your brain has activity that goes to your mouth to your muscles you yeah. say something yeah. Yeah. that thing what you say is transferred through waves in space to my eardrum yeah. and that eardrum vibrates and activates my neural it's, it's, it's amazing. So it's, it's basically, there is just interface, but it's basically your neurons activating my neurons. And what's happening with listeners? My neurons and your neurons and Christopher, Christopher's neurons, they are activating through this tech, like microphone and internet and everything. It's a, it's They're a activating in their neurons as well. So we are this huge interconnected web of brains and we come up with things together. And what I love about these conversations, this is really profound for me. And what I love about it is that what I think during these conversations, I wouldn't be otherwise, I wouldn't be able to think otherwise. You know, it's it's collective intelligence in a process well, the Buddhists and, have and, a term I, for, I don't know if you have it in in, um, in in brain science but they call it interdependence which is is it the same yes, thing yes. which is that's one of the first lessons that I need you know they call that that uh, butterflies wings fluttering in Yucatan affects uh, the something yeah, yeah. in Boston and butterfly you know, effects yeah, 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 it's yeah. that whole kind of idea and I and I Again, it doesn't matter how you describe it. But here, here's the thing. Can I, I? I've thought about this a lot. I tried to at one point when I was working with Peter Bain. This, this, I really looked into neuroscience, but it's just too big for me. I, I'm not an academic brain. I, my my understanding happens much more metaphorically. But I did a load of research and for Marshall Smart. Anyway, 
So I started to do this brain experiment. So you've just said, we've got to the web, right? And I, I, I did it in my talk where I get people to look at their hand, what's behind the hand, bone. So, so let's take that to cells. Let's take it to where what, we were. What is it again with the so, hands? So, so you, look, you, know, you look at your hand, okay, what's behind the hand? All right, bone. Okay, what's behind the bone? Tissue, you know, cells. So we'll get down to cells, right? What's behind the cells? Um, atoms, etc., etc. Okay, what's now? So I keep going. So I call this cellular unwinding, right? <laughs> so we keep undoing it. So we end up with, well, what? Okay, we'll get to waves and particles maybe, right? We'll yeah. go, go, go back. Then what's behind that? And we reach, if we keep playing that game, <laughs> to save our listeners about 40 minutes but if we so if we keep playing that game we get at kind of everything and nothing yeah. a space god some people will call it some people call it quantum suit i don't know but you end up you can't go anymore because if you then said oh well what's outside of that well there must be something that holds the something that's outside of the something do, do, do you know what i mean so yeah. and this this question is these paradoxical questions that cannot be grasped exactly. it's and, gone on yeah. forever but my point is you would end up as alan watts describes beautifully <laughs> as the kind of all i mean i'm paraphrasing alan watts does that much better than me but this is how i framed it everything and nothing but we're back at yin and yang which can only be contextualized by having its opposite so i can only know light by having dark enter now we get into religious symbology adam and eve devil and the hell just metaphors metaphors yeah. metaphors yeah. and joseph campbell's work yeah. the whole that's why i love writing fiction because i've realized this is what we're doing here i'm just hiding it in a story yeah. and by doing uh, by writing symbology in metaphor and stories storytelling we're kind of already combining brain science religion i'm not talking about writing parables i'm just saying by just that act mm -hmm. we're communicating and you see that all these people have asked the same questions and we end up which brings us back to then what i was saying uh, before is that if we go back to all and nothing right i've just stripped a few thousand steps but <laughs> forget the scientists forgive me <laughs> to the core of reality <laughs> yeah, exactly we've cut out the noise well we end up that potentially everything is possible mm. but potentially mm -hmm. if everything is ha so then you then you just go well how can I, let's just zip forwards well if everything's a pen, uh, uh, potentially possible why can't i not write a this is just mundane right but just to bring it back today why can't i write a best-selling book why can't i win the world championships why can't i start a podcast well actually you, you can oh and now we're back to nine to five stuff into the more kind of oh why don't i do what i love so so the science and the and the religious religiosity is not they're kind of the same thing just different descriptions yeah i mean we love science uh we're, because we are biologists so we love the scientific method so for us uh kind of religion uh there's some we have some issues with that we consider ourselves spir spiritual non-religious no, spiritual I'm, I'm the same. Yeah. yeah because like for me it's just about the openness yes. and sometimes religions tend to do some of them some of them tend to do to close themselves up to have this circular I, I and, and they are dogmatic yep. so what what's special about scientific method is not what which like so many scientific breakthroughs are amazing what what, what i love the most about it is the method itself yeah it's 
it's non-dogmatic. Well, you're you're testing the game. You're yes, putting the players yes, on and you're exactly. finding out oh, you guys can't pass exactly. very well. Are we better work and on that? And you take responsibility. Exactly. Exactly. You take the responsibility. But it is still limit but any any even the scientific method yes. is still limited by its boundaries. And by humans yeah, because humans do the science. Exactly. So I totally agree. I just wanted last point I wanted to comment on. I, I we would go on and go on Sorry. but, <laughs> but no, it's perfect. It's exactly our gem. It's lovely. Last thing is the openness. That's why my on my value compass of reason. That's why there was openness yeah, yeah, yeah. and non-dogmatic thinking, because openness means that okay, I have some theories which are really like proven up to almost hundred percent. For us, nothing is hundred percent. It's maybe nine ninety nine point nine nine nine. That leaves a space for openness because. I never know. I still have back again to the subjectivity. I still have only my subjectivity. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, okay, I, I I perceive this fraction of reality. I have my history. I have this experience and that experience, mm. but it doesn't mean that I know everything. Yeah. That I will ever know something for a hundred percent. So that leaves us always a space for openness. And I think this is a beautiful, co- um, you know, connection between scientific method. You're trying to break the frames, break the things. To build them up stronger, but you have to break them, and yep. if to break them, you have to think differently. Yep. And we know from history that many, many ideas died after the scientists died, yep. after yep. the big names yep. died, because they were too close to their idea, and they did, they got locked onto it, and they weren't open enough anymore. That's fine. That happens, and then there is this natural process of the universe that will filter out the ideas yep. and relevant, more relevant one will come up and yeah. I love this yeah. so I, uh, well, Shun- Shunyu Suzuki one of the great Zen teachers Zen mind beginner's mind mm. the ah, idea yes. that in the beginner's mind the potential is always open and the master's mind there is none and I see this I I cannot agree with you more in openness and as an educator I say this and uh, to bring it back down to more kind of mundane levels for me as a fighter I will never ask my students to do something I have one not done or two I'm not doing or prepared to do I cannot bear <laughs> sorry to get grumpy mm. teachers who play the whole yeah you know talk the whole theory especially in the martial arts world it's horrific it's egoic it's mm. awful so if I haven't done it I will tell you I don't know I don't know I'll send you somewhere who might know or I will be testing it with you. Now, I'm not suggesting I'm going to be combating till I'm 70, but I will all have had that experience because for me, that is openness. Openly, te- for me, that's the scientific method. I-, I know it's not officially, but it's that version of the scientific yes. method. Yeah. And I will find out, I will say to you in competition, that won't work. Don't believe me though. Go to the competition, mm-hmm. we're back to playing the game. And then you'll see, and they'll come back and go, didn't work. I told you but you've got to have that experience you know that's got to fix in your brain and and so openness I agree with uh, I, yeah it's so important in education in any level writing casting uh, education education it's it's vital openness and beginner's mindset it yeah. sits really deep in it's our fundamentals like in our mindsets how we want to approach the world yeah. so, so this is beautiful and I would like to ask you one of the last questions I won't sleep if I don't know <laughs> what is the story behind strawberry cheesecake <laughs> Stro- so strawberry cheesecake <laughs> so I reached this so I'm on the on the 88 temple pilgrimage right we're in there in Japan and I'm 
reach this deep state of meditation and that comes because um, you're on your own a long time often walking kind of 14 15 16 hours a day it's boring there's nothing else to do so you find that you're you have a lot of space and you very often because of the walking as well I think you drop into these meditative states or hypnotic states fine in those states you touch this bigness I was talking about the all or nothing because there's nothing else to distract you from that so it's kind of deep meditation great so while I'm in this all or nothing thinking there's a potential for anything I start playing with the idea well okay if this is true scientific method if this works well let's start manifesting stuff if, if thought leads to um, creation think of a building write the plan build the bit fine then it should work right I should be able to do the Yoda stuff that should work so I start with little things okay uh, well I need I said earlier I need the toilet find a toilet fine but that's not a big deal right you could find a tree anywhere or do it do it fine. so it worked a few times I'm by the way naturally skeptical I'm not an easy sell I much prefer your side of the table right uh, where you're kind of question open but questioning I'm not an easy sell um, so then I start upping the game because I'm like, well, that doesn't really test my kind of, you know, pilgrim scientific method. So what about the most random thing? I'm in the middle of a bamboo grove <laughs> in Shikoku, right? Nothing. <laughs> Strawberry cheesecake then. If whatever you are, God or, you know, quantum soup or the universe is this supplier of all things Yoda. <laughs> Strawberry cheesecake. Off you go. Good luck. And then I just carried on walking forget about it right that that was one of the things i found i needed to do by the way was let go which when you're walking is easy to do but that's another story i don't know how long i've been walking but i kind of the the, the bamboo grove stops it doesn't just gradually fade out it stops like it's some sort of weird matrixy thing and i come out and i'm at this i'm at the start of a small town a road i'm like oh okay fine walk along the road and i see this shop on the left with a i, I, I remember it as clear as day a yellow um, like a, a cover neon like, yeah neon yeah. no no yellow hoarding right? oh, okay, okay. and I walk past and I'd forgotten about my weirdness right I look in the window and a one tray is one slice of strawberry cheesecake and I was like <laughs> you are kidding me you are kidding me I went in and bought it I, I did this game a few more times until I stopped because I frightened myself. Mm-hmm. We're back to responsibility. I started to realize, oh, that careful yes. what be you're careful putting what in your brain before. because <laughs> be very careful. And that, and that really did, that's why that responsibility thing really stuck home because you think be very careful what you wish for, mm-hmm. which led me to believe, are we creating our own futures of what we think? But the thing is we don't know what we're thinking or we're not paying attention. And pilgrimage gets you to see it because that's all you've got going on. And I, I said, so I stopped because I was like, whoa, 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 back up. That's a little bit too scary for me. And then I played with it more as, as years went on. And that's what, and I call it universal requesting. I don't know what you would call it in science, but you, you make a choice, you pick your line, stuff happens. I don't know how that happened. This is uh, interesting because a lot of few people actually told me about similar ex- experience. Ah, okay. And I've... Like good, I'm not completely I've crazy. Had, That's good. Yeah, I mean, I've had like similar ones, but not this extreme. But in so first of all, in science, in brain science, I would go 
you said cognitive, cognitive bias, bias basically. Is it the same sort yeah, of thing? yeah. You you tend to see in the world whatever is represented physically in your brain right. already. Yeah. Okay. So okay, right now focus on anything metal here, and yeah. suddenly wow, poof, 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 this well, pops up. And that's up. how mentalists do their like Darren yeah, Brown do their exactly, tricks. Isn't exactly. It? It's like when you buy a red car, suddenly that's the only color exactly. car you see. You're that's, like, what? Yeah. Has everyone got a red car? That's yeah. the example yeah. that we always yeah. give yeah. on yeah. the yeah. workshops and stuff like that. So. That's one thing, and everyone can experience it. You, you just said it. The yeah. example with the car, example with someone seeing this on YouTube, and I can see, oh, you know, check out if there's, you know, people. I don't, well, flags maybe, yeah. you know, flags, yeah. boom, yeah. two yeah. flags there. Yeah. So that's one level. And r- now you go into time and space, basically. You add time to it. Yeah. So yeah. you wish for something. Yeah. I mean, it m- might have been a des- dessert or a cheesecake yeah. this is really specific yeah. and, and I did that on purpose to yeah. make it kind it's of random, it yeah. couldn't be vague it can't yeah. be a toilet because that's yeah. not, I mean it's not much of a challenge yeah. strawberry cheesecake right What in Japan why yeah. How? yeah usually people go with something not so random and it's fairly possible yeah. you know f- for them to yeah. and they were like oh my god I found it And but it was just their brain uh, it might have been the same thing for you because there is this thing that there's 8 billion people in the world and this just might happen as a coincidence yeah, as a, just a I would, yeah. but, but to be fair i would say wow like coincidence i think not you yeah, know that yeah. that kind of meme yeah, yeah i would say that but also i'm totally open to the possibility yes it was just a co- coincidence and for me this is still more probable option than something else yeah, happening yeah but i'm totally open yes for it to be something else but for me it's just okay i can still explain it in you know in ways of proving it exactly. in scientific and that, and that becomes so, then this interesting exactly. kind of discussion yeah, that's but perfect. my life since then has become yeah. a scientific method to keep testing my own book yeah. to see does it work in in this circumstance oh yeah okay it's another this circumstance until for me i reached a threshold yeah. where it might not be provable yeah. but it was provable enough in my life to know mm. that i could trust it to build the life i wanted yes. and this is so important because people tend to go to the esoteric idea sometimes maybe the secret and stuff like that yeah that might be even dangerous yes, sometimes yes. because you know they well, that's the spiritual porn i'm talking that's about. this yeah that's yes, the yes, spiritual yes. bypass yeah. as well yeah. this is a problem that's why we say okay your mindset what you put what thought you put into it what you want your intention yes it's one of the most important things Absolutely. in your life yes. but not in any esoteric idea just by sheer neuroscience yes just by sheer and that's you, fine right that's, i don't need it to be a god exactly i just need it to give me the results yeah. i want so we that's what i wanted to say so it's useful <laughs> yeah yes we come back to if it's useful yeah so I I would suggest I I do it in my life and I think that's a reasonable method to do or whatever method mindset well I try to get myself and cultivate the best possible mindset for me to succeed to we're seeing this in sports everywhere I told you in the day before when I was playing tennis uh, uh, visualization was nothing but go back to the Jamaican bobsled team (laughs) but that was now that was because they couldn't play the game properly mm-hmm. so what's the next best thing and i don't think they knew that so you visualize it yeah. but i told you my son plays for wasps he plays pro rugby and i sat in on seminars and uh mind skills visualization skills are not as big i'm not going to say that but they're a proper thing yes they're a proper yes, yes. thing and and you think 
Ah, of course, what goes into your mind. Now, we don't have to make it weird for no. it to be useful. And you guys clearly are not making it yeah. weird, but I'm talking about my side of the fence. We don't have to be weird to make this useful for everyone's yeah. life. So just one last thing to that. How to, you know, where is the signal? For me, the signal is find what's useful. Use whatever intention, whatever you think feel like, but think about it. Yes. Think about it a little bit. Okay, what happens if this doesn't work? Yeah. What happens if... Da, 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 da. And which word are we back to? Responsibility. Yes. yes. Mm. Every It's time. Perfect. You've got to take charge. It's your life. Yes, yes. You're going okay. to lose it at one point. Yeah. We're back at responsibility. Yeah. And that nothing is 100%. <laughs> Thank you. Matt, uh, what message would you like to send to our listeners? I say, I say to all my guys, right, I would love, however we get there, brain science, you know, spiritual science, whatever you want to call it, I would wish for everyone that when you wake up in the morning, you love what you do. You spend a lot of time at work. So I know, uh, and I know you two, you guys, you do your work and you love it and it radiates in you, right? And that's, that's good for everyone. That's good for everyone. I love what I do. And I would wish that for everyone, even my enemies. I'd love them to sit at their workspace and just love it. Because what's the other option? You just sit in this kind of languishing gray, doing that. Well, if you want to knock yourself out. But if I have a wish for you, it's that. And whatever tools you use, the science tools, my kind of metaphorical tools, which I think we're probably saying the same thing, right? I would wish that for all people. Yeah. Thank you. I have one last question for you. And it is... Did you find meaning of life, or are you still looking for it? Or in in your or in your life? Not, in your life, not, in general, not, not like but general meaning of life, but in your life, did you find a meaning? No. No. I my meaning is I just I wake up, I like what I do. My decisions are based on would I have coffee with these people if there was nothing on the table? If it's a yes we have a meaningful conversation if it's no honest to god that's what i do if it's no i walk to the next person and that is my meaning of life this week if we do this podcast another time i'm not saying i remember i've been a tennis player shiatsu therapist fighter author i have no idea so every time my life changes my meaning changes so no and yes maybe perfect med thank you for this Guys, a lot of, I have a lot enjoyed of useful information. every single second. I am honored to have met you both. I have loved every part of this. Thank you. Uh, thank you so, so much. It was an honor. And, you know, to people out there, buy med books. Because Go I, and buy my book. Uh, Go and do the pill. <laughs> <with yourself. laughs> nice one. Nice yeah, one. If you want to buy Good it, job. fine. It'll give me extra coffee. But mostly, you know. seriously, play the game yourself. You don't need my experience and my description of it. I mean, buy yeah. the book anyway. So send me the money. <laughs> Here's yeah. it. Send me the money. Exactly. And don't buy the book. <laughs> don't buy the yeah. book. And just, uh, but, but play the game yourself. Yeah, exactly. Come up with your own nine lessons, eight lessons, whatever it may be. Ultimately, yeah. that's the only thing. Yeah. Play the game. Everything is going to be in the description. Thank you so much. If you want to support us, share this episode with your friends, with your family, dog, sister, <laughs> brother, mother, father, <laughs> grandfather. Or yeah, everyone. <laughs> This is the best way to support us and to support Matt as well. So again, Matt, thank you so much for this conversation. You, It was incredible. I just, I'm speechless kind of because we come here to the festival. We didn't know your name 
Oh, great. We, uh, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the most famous tennis player I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, there are so many people like yeah, there's so, an amazing in, people, in the world. Right? And we, wow. like, but two days uh, before the, the festival, we didn't know if we were going to come or not. Okay. Now we come here, we e- explore, we explore people. I met, I, I meet you, you know, and we kind of vibe together and we, oh, why you do this and we do this and it's cool. And then we create this kind of conversation something that has never been done before we've never talked before no. on the show or no. something and create some new thoughts new 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 ways of thinking maybe new concepts now the concept of response responsibility that. that leads to responsibility oh my god yes wow we need to patent that yes we need to steal it from yes. where we got it <laughs> yes <laughs> so but seriously and those things just they, they happen yeah. right i don't know how you'll frame it in different uh, explanations to me yeah but perfect happened yeah. we're here thank you so much and this comes to for thanks to frederick in boswell who was guest yesterday who was guest on this show as well thank you so much for your time thank matt you. and you. in the future hopefully meet again Definitely. we'll record an, another episode and yeah 100%. Uh, links are going to be in the description of this show and you guys have a beautiful day you matt to enjoy rest of the festival thank you guys Bye. thank you so much Premier.